Do you ever find yourself confused when it comes to health and fitness? Have you been searching relentlessly on the most effective ways to achieve your fitness-related goals, only to find yourself even more frustrated? Well, we've got you covered. It's time to learn from the best, shorten your learning curve, and truly understand how to achieve your goals without spinning your wheels and wasting precious time. Welcome to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast. effective dose podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Mike Perry, and I'm here with my good friend. Once again, Brett Jones, Brett, how are you today? Fantastic, Mike. Looking forward to diving into today's episode. Uh, little intuitive versus structured, or is it? Absolutely. And, uh, we're going to start off with a story because I like stories. Um, <laughs> So, and, and I've heard this analogy several times. Uh, originally, I actually heard it, for, uh, heard it from Dr. Andy Galpin, a really, really smart doctor. He out on the West Coast. He does muscle biopsies. Um, and he used to have a podcast called, I think it was called The Body of Knowledge. Really, really good stuff. But at one point, he was talking about um, the baker versus the cook or the, the baker versus the chef. And really what it has to do with the learning styles of each individual. So you've got a baker. And if someone that you know has actually, they're good at baking, because anybody can bake but not everybody is good at baking, right? So when you are baking something, there is an order in which things need to be done. You have to sort of, you know, put the liquids in one side, you put, you know, the flour, the salts and everything else on the other, and you have to stir it a certain way. And there's a, there's a, a step-by-step process that needs to happen. If you, if you don't follow that process, you're not going to have a good end result. So bakers, um, tend to be those individuals that are very, very structured. They want to have that step-by-step approach to doing things. And and, in a training setting, those are the ones that like structured training. Those are the ones that they're going to be there every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at their time. They don't want to miss anything. They're going to time everything. They're going to write their numbers down. They're going to time their rest intervals, et cetera. And there's nothing wrong with that. Then there is, uh, you know, the, the cook or the chef. And, and obviously a cook is very different than the chef. The chef, a master chef is someone that can pretty much do anything, but we'll, ta- we'll, we'll take the idea of the cook. Um, people that are cooks have an idea of what to do, but there's a little bit of trial and error. And uh, there's a little bit more, um, it's the ability to be more agile with your decision-making and your training. So yes, there is a direction and there is a structure, but it's a loose structure and it allows people to make changes on the fly um, maybe if they're having a really good day, maybe they'll attempt a PR, or, you know, it could be a rep PR or a weight PR, et cetera. So there's a little bit more variability within that. And here's the beauty of it. If you understand what style you are, um, it's probably going to complement your overall training process and the end result. But here's the scoop too. Sometimes you may be a baker. Sometimes you may be a cook or a chef. Sometimes you could be a combination of both. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is uh, sort of the difference between the two. And I know Brett, and you've said this a few times, you tend to really follow more of this intuitive training approach. So um, let's talk about how that started with you. And, um, and and maybe we can dig a little bit deeper into the, the stuff that you're doing with your own training. Absolutely. Uh, I've joked on, on several occasions that uh, nobody sends me programs to experiment with anymore because they know I won't follow them. Uh, I will tweak them, change them, you know, do something different with them because it's what I felt like doing. Um, I just have a hard time not making a tweak or a change. And so people that want me to actually follow the program and give them feedback learned pretty quickly that 
they just shouldn't send me programs to experiment with. Um, and it is, uh, you know, how and why, you know, I kind of don't know. Um, I'd say the last structured program I followed and I kind of didn't follow it was uh, <laughs> the Ryabenyakov squat cycle back in, that was about 2007 um, when I was prepping for um, a powerlifting meet. And uh, the way the program was laid out, you were supposed to progress towards, you know, using uh, knee wraps. And, you know, it was kind of an overload program where even though I was a raw lifter, um, you'd incorporate some gear progressively. And then, um, and then, but the way I did it was I kept a top set without gear. Uh, and by gear, I don't mean how the kids use it now. <laughs> I mean, powerlifting gear, knee wraps, uh, belt, you know, things of that nature. Um, so I would uh, do a set without any powerlifting gear, and then I would uh, do a set with, and that just provided a little bit of overload. Um, so um, kind of followed the program, but kind of not really. And so um, I think it's just me. I just, I, I wish I had a, a better explanation for it. Um, I can remember my parents years ago saying, I don't know why you ask us for our opinion. You just go ahead and do what you want to anyway. And I'm like, well, just, I wanted your opinion and I put it into the, into the mix, but yeah, I made my own decision. I'm, I'm sorry. That's disappointing. But you know, I, I, I did take it, what you had to say into account. I just processed it and did what I thought I should do. Um, and, and that'll be the title of my second book, uh, you know, get this iron cardio book out. And then uh, my second book will be, you know, my life, a cautionary tale. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I just, um, I enjoy, um, I enjoy the, the free flow. Um, you know, I could, I could look at it in a bunch of different ways. So much of the rest of my life is structured and I live by appointment and I live by deadlines and I have all these other things going on. And so my training is where I'm just like, woohoo, what do I want to do today? And, uh, just kind of let it evolve, uh, from that fashion. So, and I, and, and I know, uh, friends of mine, like Fabio Zonin, uh, he is, he's got the spreadsheet, he's got it laid out. He knows when he's going to do stuff he, the time, the you know, intervals are time, the rest periods are time. He is that very structured person that, that you were referring to, uh, earlier. Um, so it's, it's interesting for the two of us to sit down and talk about training. Cause, and, and Pavel's even asked me like, why'd you do that? I'm like, I don't know it's what it felt like doing. <laughs> so I, I wish I had a better answer, but, uh, it's kind of like just me. You know what, though? Here's the thing. If it works and it, and it gets you towards your goals, who cares? And, and a lot of people are going to be like, oh, my God, what you have to do? It. No, you don't have to do a certain way. There are, you know, if I was driving to you and I said, Brett, I'm going to hop in the car and I'm going to go to Pittsburgh. There's a couple different ways I can get there. Right. But as long as I get there safely at the end of the day, that's what it boils down to. And as long as um, we're not getting injured or, or, you know, dealing with that stuff uh, along the way then, Hey, listen, at the end of the day, if it works, it works. And, you know, we can, this day and age with everybody, you know, you can't even say anything without a PubMed article or they don't believe you. It's the most ridiculous <laughs> thing in the world. Right. But at the same time, it's, um, you know, when you, when you approach training in that, um, intuitive fashion, it, and, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, because I've actually trained like this a little bit too. And I'll kind of dig into my story in a second here, but I think it, what it does is it, 
if you really know yourself as well, you, you know, on what days you can kind of push it a little bit and what days you can't. And that's the beauty of it. Um, because like for me, if, you know, I've got a couple injuries that every once in a while they flare up. And to me, I always got disappointed if I was like, today I'm supposed to do X and then I go to train and maybe I didn't sleep or the kids were sick or whatever. And then I'd be like, damn it. Like I was supposed to do you know, five by five at 72% today. And now that's not going to happen. I actually think the more structured you are in your regular life, like you were saying, you live it by appointments, something's got to give, right? And and listen, we're not getting paid to work out. I mean, at least I'm not, maybe you are, um, you know, but at the same time, something's got to give. And I think a lot, you know, putting yourself in a scenario where you can still train and still be consistent and still work towards your goals, but not at the same time, knowing when you have to back off or when you can push the gas pedal. I think that is, is something that a lot of people, um, need, but at the same time, I don't think they have the experience to follow that in sort of that intuitive training mindset, because sometimes they're just paralysis by analysis. They don't even know what to do. So I think when it comes to intuitive training, you have to have a background, you have to have a decent amount of experience, and then you can, you can move forward because you're not going to have a brand new individual that's never, you know, squatted, deadlifted, swung a bell and say, we're just going to just see how you feel, right? That's, that's not going to pan out. So, um, so let me ask you this, Brett, um, you know, back in the day when you're doing a lot of the grip work, when you're, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, tearing cards, bending the red nail, doing all the captains of crush stuff. Did you still follow that sort of similar approach or were you actually doing, did you follow a little bit more of a, a template or a program to get to, you know, bending the nails and, and closing certain grippers? Nope. <laughs> I just, I just, <laughs> I just did a lot of work. Um, I, you know, there were days where I felt good and I, I would uh, bend a, a pretty high volume and then, I guess the, the, the background is I knew that if I had a good day, I should have an easier day to, to kind of follow it. So I would do less, you know, if I had a big volume day, I'd try to do less. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just kind of didn't, there were days where I knew, you know, I'd done enough bending. So I'd focus on grippers and, and just kind of, it was, it was pretty free flowing, um, not, not extremely, uh, structured. And then, um, you know, of course there's, there's pitfalls and caveats that we can, we can talk about as we move forward. Um, and it, it made me think that, uh, you know, I, a, yes, I've always been this way, but B, you know, after cancer and coming back to training, the intuitive style of training really allowed me the freedom to adapt, adjust, uh, and, and do the things. And, and, you know, looking back on it, when I first came back into training, like a 50 rep day would be a big day. Um, I just hit a 240 rep snatch day and I've done 240 rep, 300 rep iron cardio sessions and things like that. So like my work capacity, my, my ability to, I'm now at a point where I actually need to pull the reins in a little bit because I'm actually able to accumulate enough volume within a session to where I have to rest longer than I want to before I have to boring to my next session. So the intuitive process, um, just, um, going to make some mistakes. You're, you're going to push a little too hard one particular day. You're going to, um, maybe, and I, I do this all the time in my training is I, I go back and look and it, it was, 
I kind of followed this kind of ever increasing path where I thought I was changing the variables and the volume, but we look back and you're like, no, you just went for a different kind of hard on each of those sessions and you were still just climbing the ladder. So um, it sounds horribly unstructured. And, and, but the thing is right now I have no goal. And I know that sounds like there's people out there that maybe just fainted and, and fell over because how can you train without a goal? Well, A, I actually enjoy training. Um, I just, it's, I just want to do it. <laughs> it's not, nobody's got uh, pressuring me to, to do it. I, I want to go train. Um, so for me, not having a goal is fine. Like, I just know I'm going to go, I'm going to get my work done. Um, and having said that I don't have a goal, I know that I'm making progress within certain generalized programs and, and or um, workouts within this unstructured program. Um, and so I just enjoy the process. But that's for long-term consistency. Like, isn't that where we need to be? If, if your training program reach, leads to a peak and you're like, I don't know what to do next. Uh, those tend to be dropping off points where people can kind of get inconsistent. So uh, I'm okay with not having a goal. Yeah. And, and so uh, I will add a few things. So for those of you that are, you know, listening and, you know, maybe you're trying to figure out what is he talking about? Um, so, you know, Brett is really kind of following in an intuitive fashion, this undul undulating periodization or wavering of the load, right? I mean, it's really, it's really a heavy day. If you have a heavy day, there's no way you're going to have another heavy day. Maybe you can, but eventually um, you're not stepping down, you're falling down the cliff. It's a little different. And usually what it does is usually a heavy stimulation day followed by a low, followed by a medium, and then it kind of intertwines that way. It doesn't always repeat in that fashion, but um, just know if you are going to uh, sort of follow that idea of, of uh, wavering the load or undulating periodization that... Um, you always have to follow a, a heavy stimulation day by a, a low day, right? I mean, if you want to, if you want to um, make steady progress, because what people don't understand is when you don't get strong during the workout, you get strong when you're recovering and resting. So we train, we do a training session, we, we train really, really hard. And then after that, we get a drop off of performance. That's just naturally what happens. Um, and then we get that rebound, which is our compensation back to our baseline. And then we get that bump, that increase, which is called super compensation. And that is basically stress and positive adaptation. We'll talk about negative adaptation in a little bit because both are uh, very viable options, but it's understanding that if you just understand how stress and adaptation works, you know that you have to follow it that way and rest has to happen, or you're just going to get burnt out. And you may not get burnt out like intracession. You may not, you, you may feel okay, but um, there's this neurological fatigue that accumulates. And if you're not acclimated to what that feels like, it's very different. It's, it's a very different type of fatigue. And the, in the fact where you, you just tend to, your brain becomes mush and you, you almost can't process things. And it really is this sort of scenario where you just have to say, I just can't do it anymore. And it's not something that you can physically push through. Like I've done a bunch of, um, pretty significantly crazy things in my life when it comes to training. Um, but a lot of those sessions that were very fatigue inducing, it wasn't a neurological fatigue. It was a physiological fatigue. It was like, literally like I need food and I need a nap because if that doesn't happen, um, you know, I'm going to absolutely crash. So, 
Um, understanding the idea of stress and adaptation and supercompensation is just a vital part of, of training in general. And here's the beauty of it. This is not a scenario where it's like a, um, a workout of the day where Brett's just randomly picking a bunch of stuff to do. Because if you just do a bunch of wads for time, and that's, I mean, that's what sort of the original CrossFit model was, just do a bunch of wads for time. It was high stim, high stim, high stim, and it'll work. It'll work for a while and you can get some pretty significant results, but eventually it won't work. And that's simply because there isn't that idea of undulating periodization. There isn't time to recover. You're not going to go to a CrossFit and they're going to be like, yeah, today we're going to do some zone two work and some mobility. Like that's not going to happen, right? Um, because everybody wants to get their butt, get their butts kicked. But at the same time, we need to understand that um, even with intuitive training, those are the air quotes, so hopefully uh, you guys will not see that, but you there's still them. a structure and there is a cycle of stress and adaptation. Right. And, and, you know, not to point fingers at any particular group because that high intensity um, uh, mindset is pervasive in, in the community now, whether we're talking um, a cycling class, Orange Theory, CrossFit, um, just in general, high intensity, high intensity training has become uh, very popular. I can remember doing a high intensity interval program back in 2000 or 2001, um, which was a stair climber routine. And, and I mean, it was brutal. It was effective it was brutal. And I was glad when the 12th or whatever week happened and, and, you know, it was, the program was over. Um, so, you know, the, and why do we, so just to dive into this just a little bit, why do we love the high intensity stuff so much? So one of the reasons is we expect exercise to suck. We expect it to be uncomfortable. We expect it to leave us exhausted. We, we bring these expectations with us, into these training programs. And then if those expectations aren't met, we feel like we were shorted or you know something like that. So the person coming in the door has expectations. The, the teacher, the coach, the person running the class or whatever, they know the people are coming in with those expectations. And uh, even from a big box gym perspective, there can be that you know new uh, prospective client session where they're like, well, we're just going to kick your butt, make you sore and show you how great this can be. And, and of course, you'll sign up and, and come back. Um, anything we can do as a profession to short circuit that expectation and say, you know, your first three to six weeks of training might be pretty easy. We might have a bunch of movement stuff that we need to bring up to baseline. We might have a base level of conditioning that we need to accomplish because remember, first of the year, you know, January, everybody's got their New Year's resolutions. The gyms are packed. Everybody's going to get fit. Air quotes again for everybody. Everybody's going to get fit and, and join the gym. And guess who's not there after the first four to six weeks of the year? All of those new people. Because they went on the cabbage soup diet. They did something that was maybe effective for a short period of time. But you're going to step off of that high intensity peak and you're going to have run into some problems. So expectations play a, a, a huge role here. And it, it's why people don't rest enough between sets of exercises. They, they expect to accumulate fatigue for the workout to burn and, and quote hurt, not in an injury fashion. Uh, and so, you know, they don't want to rest because I'm not getting a great workout if I'm not resting. 
Well, focus on the output in the set or sequence and give yourself the rest you need so you can have another great output at that next set or sequence. Um, so sorry, that was oh, tangential to a, a certain point. But I think I think talking about expectations and, and in programming and exercise, I think is really important. Absolutely. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, one thing that uh, that we need to really consider, too, when it comes to high intensity training is if if the only way that you think you've had a good workout is if you're hot and sweaty and sore and tired. The problem is, is down the road when you get to the point where you're beaten up, you're, you've, you've accumulated injuries and you have to reboot, there's going to have to be a very, very different uh, mindset when it comes to exercise. Because if you're so used to just going in and, and getting your butt kicked and leaving sore, tired, et cetera, um, and then you change things and then you go and do a workout and you're like, I feel like you feel good when you leave. It's, it's going to be a very weird scenario for you. And it's going to be tough. Uh, it's going to be tough to sort of break that cycle of the all or nothing. I've got to sort of kick my butt. We see it all the time in uh, training fighters, right? All these, uh, these guys go in and they're, they're peaking and they're, they're doing their weight cut and they've got an eight pack or a 10 pack and they walk around super lean. And, uh, after the fight, they all, not all of them, but a lot of them will, you know, put, put their weight back on, but even a little bit more because it's simply not sustainable, um, we, I see it in, uh, figure competitors too. I mean, and you can read multiple accounts of, um, you know, more, more specifically female figure, figure competitors that have gotten super lean. Right. And they looked really good and they did, you know, their, their shows. And then after it's just not sustainable, but not to mention the fact that they, they have a lot of medical issues that can come up due to the fact that they were so lean, you know, when it comes to losing their menstrual cycle and, and, and a bunch of other things too, but the problem is, is when we get into this position, right, where we've worked really hard to get there and it's taken time, effort, dedication, and you love the way you look and, but it's just not sustainable. And that's where, that's where we get into trouble because having to make that shift of being, whether it's super lean or super fit or anything else, if, if we dedicate ourselves and when I say dedicate, um, dedication can be a good thing. It can be a bad thing, but when we have our eyes on the prize, and we get to a certain place and we think this is the pinnacle or the Mecca of where we should be. Then you realize, wow, this is not sustainable. And you have to, you have to reframe everything. And that can be in itself really tough. Definitely. Definitely. And I, again, just expectations really, really kick in there and, and falling in love with the process, uh, I think is really important. Um, it, it just, it makes the journey so much better. Um, if you actually enjoy the day to day and, um, so left turn, left turn structured. If I, if, uh, I got a wild hair and I decided at the age of 50, I was going to try to do another powerlifting meet, I would put together a structured program. Now I have a goal. I have a date. Um, it's, it's, uh, the meet is in October. I know that I'm going to be able to count backwards, lay out, uh, where I, you know, set a baseline for where I currently am. The percent of increase that I think is, is realistic, uh, leading up to that time frame, And I'm, I'm going to set up a program. Um, now for me, captain intuitive, uh, I'm going to keep that grain of salt in my pocket and I'm going to say, okay, I, I'm, this is the plan, but life is going to happen. 
I'm going to have to, the plan will have to update, adjust. It's like a good GPS system that's constantly updating and giving me the best information for where I'm headed. Uh, so that's my version of kind of a structured plan. And you look at some of the work that Pavel and Fabio have done in Plan Strong and Built Strong, you're going to see, uh, I, I would argue, probably the best method of putting together <clears throat> that structured program uh, that will lead you towards that, uh, towards that goal. Um, so, you know, I, I didn't want, didn't want to leave the structured folks out there to feel like they were being ignored. Um, and so there's absolutely a time, a place, and some really great ways to put together those structured programs. Uh, but like I said, for me, keep the grain of salt in my pocket. I, I want that constantly updating GPS system to give me the best information possible and not be too, uh, not be too constrained uh, by, the, by the program. Absolutely. And you said something there, Brett, that I don't think a lot of people even think about. And you said working backwards. And this is something that I do as well, specifically when we work with fighters, because we do have a specific goal, like, and, and it's on a specific date, right? Let's like, if you have a powerlifting meet or a fight, um, those are specific goals and specific dates. And the idea of working backwards is something that I've always done, but, um, talk a little bit about that, Brett, about the idea of, you know, setting a goal, but, but essentially working backwards and developing a game plan. Definitely. Um, Seneca, whether we go with uh, Seneca uh, saying that uh, if, if kind of if you don't know where you're going, then no wind is favorable. Uh, Yogi Berra, um, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. Um, if you have a destination, then you can look at where that, and let's use a driving analogy, you can look at where that destination is and you can look at the map and you can lay out your path. And that's essentially what you should do from a training perspective when you have a goal date. We'll talk here in a minute about more of a tactical periodization strategy where you, know, you don't have a, a specific date to peak for. You have a season where you need to be ready or you are a tactical athlete, LEO, um, first responder, military, um, where you just need to be ready to go it's go time because somebody said it's go time and you need to be ready for that. Um, so, you know, counting backwards, uh, know where you are right now, uh, know what that date is. Uh, we know realistic improvements. Uh, once we get past the novice phase of lifting, we know that, a, you know, a five to 10% increase in a, in a one RM is big. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about a, a more experienced power lifter, two and a half to 5% increase over the course of 12 to 16 weeks uh, of training might be all you're going to get. And that's a great, <clears throat> that's a great PR. That's a great increase. Um, but when you do that, you have that ability to count back and say, okay, um, now I can have these waves within that 12 to 20, whatever, 24 week program, whatever you lay out. Um, and it, it just, the, how you draw the map gets much clearer. Um, and it is something that, that I think people, um, yeah, spend, know where you are, know where you're going. Uh, we, we do it every time we, hopefully, we do it pretty much every time we get in the car, do it with your training. Absolutely. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about sort of blending those two ideas of intuitive, 
intuitive training versus structured, because you, you talked about this a little bit earlier, you can have a structured plan, but within that you can use intuition. Some people would call it readiness, auto-regulation, however you want to, to talk about that. So some people, again, you can say, um, one of my, oh, I'll kind of backtrack a little bit. One of my favorite, uh, strength training programs out there is, uh, is, is, a strong first barbell program. And it's uh, very, very simple. I think it's called the strong first symmetry and contrast cycle. And it's very, very simple. It's, um, it's five by fives, three by threes and two by twos. It's a pretty, uh, pretty simple training program. And it's very, very effective. Um, and, and here's the beauty of that program. It's easy to follow, but at the same time, um, you still need to have some ideas of percentages and where you're at. Um, because again, if you are looking to make a 5% improvement in something, then you need to do the math and you need to start to work backwards a little bit to see if those numbers will, will line up. Obviously having a one RM, a three RM, a five RM and all of your lifts are good. But if you don't have those, you're going to have to make educated guesses. And if you start a cycle off too, um, too timidly, you're never going to provide enough stimulation to, to make those changes. And if you start off too hot, you could potentially plateau too early. So there is definitely an art and a science. And I remember the, the first uh, SFL that we went to, um, was that in Tucson? Yeah. So in Tucson, yeah, I was out there and, uh, you know, Pavel had a whole bunch of people come up to the whiteboard and, and just basically wrote out cycles. And it was kind of like the old, you know, we, we talk about this all the time, the, um, you know, Goldilocks and the three bears. It's like, you don't want your training program to be too hot. You don't want it to be too cold. You want it to be just right. And when you're writing programs, you have to do that. So even within the idea of, of structured and uh, intuitive training, you have a templates of reps and sets, but depending on the week, depending on what else is going on, you may have to, you may have to change it. And again, the end goal is really what's important, but it's knowing that, Hey man, I'm not having a good day. I know I was supposed to do, this is my last week of five by five. And I was supposed to hit these. There's nothing wrong with stepping back. And if you're feeling like crap and, and doing like what we call a recast where you're going to, you know, approach the lift with the same uh, volume, but definitely uh, decrease the load, et cetera. So there's always going to be a little bit of intuitive training and unstructured training within the training template, because forcing things when you're really not doing well, it, it's, it's not going to pan out. And, and, uh, I've done a lot of dumb things in my life. And, uh, but anytime I've tried to force a training session or try something when I wasn't feeling good, that's usually when a tweak happens. And that's usually when, you know, I piss off my back or, or something else. Um, you know, it just, it just doesn't tend to work. So it's definitely an art and a science, but at the same time, again, as long as you're headed in that general direction, you're going to be doing okay. But it's just knowing how you feel. And there's a bunch of different ways you can talk about readiness. Some people will talk about HRV, um, resting heart rate. There's so many things that you can look into to look at your, your state of readiness. And, and, you know, before we had technology, we, we just kind of woke up and was like, Hmm, how'd I feel? You know, cause let's be honest. We all know if we slept well, or if we didn't sleep well. I mean, granted, it's nice to have technology. I wear an aura ring. I check it every morning, um, but I can tell, I can absolutely tell if it's going well or not. But um, going back to that sort of uh, conglomeration of both, as you gain more experience, then you can start to make those decisions to see what's going to work best for you. And maybe it, it's going to change depending on the season of your life. So 
um, Eric Degatti and I are working on a course called Principles of Program Design, and we talk about um, you know the seasons of life. If you're working with an accountant and they're trying to get in really good shape, and it's February, guess what? It's not time to write an aggressive training program because that season for that accountant is they're working 12 to 16 hour days. They're sitting down. Um, that is not the time to hit the gas pedal, right? So you also have to look at the seasons. Um, I look at my own training. Um, now that I'm back doing jujitsu three days a week, I have to follow more of an intuitive training, uh, intuitive training style, because if I just try to you know, make everything perfect, or I'm going to do this linear barbell progression. I know it's all it takes is one session where I tweak something and then it's not going to go well. And I'm going to have to do an audible anyways. So I, I've been using that intuitive training style for, for a little bit. And it, and it, and it does seem to work for me as well, but I would say the consistency has to be there because, um, if you want to make progress, yes, consistency is important, but we also have to kind of follow that medium, high, low, and uh, medium, high, and low days. Because I think if you pair consistency with the right amount of effort at the right amount of time, you're still going to, you're still going to get some pretty awesome results. And, um, I think that's a nice way to approach it. Absolutely. So the, the, the caveat with a structured program and intuitive to a certain extent is it doesn't happen in a vacuum. Everything you just talked about is life. Yeah. Unless you have this incredibly blissful existence of having, you know, two, we'll call it two hours a day, three to five days a week, where you can just get your training done. You, um, you've structured your life such that, you know, pampered chef is, is sending you the, the meals and, and you're cooking, you know, exactly. You got your macros dialed in and you know, you're getting your sleep and, you know, there's just, you live in this bubble. Um, I have never found, but you, <laughs> you, you somehow live in this bubble where your, your life has been structured in such a way that you just have this consistent uh, life where the stresses don't really change all that much. And food is great. Sleep is great. And all of that. I don't know who you are. I'm sure you're out there. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy for you. Um, I have a, a life that can go on a dime. You know, you, you and I both had the, the experience of having your life spun on a dime. Um, I, I went in for a biopsy on my throat, came out with cancer and, you know, have had to go through that. Um, there will be car accidents that will happen. There will be uh, illnesses that happen. There will be um, the water heater is going to go in, in the basement, you know, whatever the case may be, life is going to happen. And so your training doesn't happen in a bubble. And um, so Bill Fox, who was uh, early on in the, in the community, uh, high level kind of executive uh, lawyer, um, he wrote an article some time ago and it was, you know, executive daddy periodization because I like that name. That's life happens. You know, business meeting gets called, you know, the, the extra trip gets scheduled. Uh, the kids, you got to drop something because you got to do something for the family. Um, that's life. Mm -hmm. And you can either be okay with that and, and adjust your training or you can be one of those uh, jerks where you've got the meme that says, you know, 
the kids recital <clears throat> came on squat day that's why there's video cameras and it's like oh my gosh yeah like if you're sacrificing time with family and friends and, and you're just kind of not much fun to be around because you're not going to miss that that training day <sighs> priorities um and fine if you're making that decision for yourself hey you go be you uh, that's that's i'm not making that decision um, but you know, training doesn't, doesn't happen in a, in a vacuum and be willing to have an easy day. Absolutely. And you look at, and, and, and here's the thing, people are going to be like, what about professional athletes? Those are outliers. Are you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's, that's exactly it. And, uh, I see it all the time. Everyone's like, uh, I remember I was reading something or I saw someone shared a post. It's like LeBron James spends like some crazy amount of money a year on his body. It was like close to a million dollars. He's LeBron James. And, and, and I think, uh, it will, and, and you're not. Um, so that's another thing to consider, but I mean, that guy makes, I forget the, I've seen the breakdown where they're like how much money he makes like a minute. And it's some ridiculous amount it's like $10,000 a minute or something. It's, it's just ridiculous. So please don't be like, well, what about Michael Jordan? What about LeBron James? What about, you're not them. You're not an outlier. Um, you're not a professional athlete. Now, if you are awesome, then, and if you, if you are a professional athlete and the way that you make money is via your body, cool. Like, and you have the ability to wake up and, you know, have an awesome breakfast made by a, a personal chef. And then you go and maybe you lift for an hour and you've got your own trainer and then, you know, post lift, you have another uh, meal ready for you. And then you can go play in the afternoon and do another session. If that's your life. Cool. That's awesome. Um, but that's not the normal lives of, of everyday people. And I will tell you this, listen, um, the professional athletes that are working 40 hours a week at their job, like my, my best friend played in the NFL for, for 11 years, it was hard on him. And everyone thinks that professional athletes, you know, have it made. And, and there are some amazing benefits of, you know, being a professional athlete, specifically in the NFL, where you can make a lot of money and you can do really, really well. But the wear and tear in the body is, is, is there. And, and you don't hear that enough. You hear it after the fact, right? You always hear about, you know, the guys that retire and then they're like, oh, by the way, I've had 16 concussions. I tore my ACL four times. I've had three shoulder surgeries. And it's just like, well, that's a different scenario, but it's, it, it's significant, but yeah, those guys that are making, you know, $5 million, $10 million a year, that's great, great money. But, um, they also have to deal with the long-term consequences of beating the crap out of themselves on a, uh, on a weekly basis. And, and especially like in a, in a sport like football, I mean, it's essentially like surviving a car accident every weekend. I mean, the amount of force and the amount of wear and tear on those individuals is just crazy. So, um, if you are a professional athlete, or maybe you want to understand what it's like to work with professional athletes, yeah, there's some pretty cool things that they can do and they have the opportunities to make money and, and there are benefits to everything. But at the same time, um, they're using their body to pay the bills. Um, and if you're not, uh, then you should probably dial it down a little bit and there's nothing wrong with training hard. I'm not saying that. Don't hear what I'm not saying. If you have specific goals and you want to go out there and train hard, cool. But just understand the pros and cons of what you're getting yourself into and, and the repercussions if things go south, because they will go south if you, um, if you, if you do too much and you, you basically don't allow your body to rest. Like for me, I train jujitsu three days a week, but I do not train hard three days a week. I cannot. 
I, in my mind, I actually say, you know what? I'm feeling good. Today will be a day where I'm going to roll a little bit more. I'll roll with a little bit of intensity. The next day is drilling and positional work. That's it. And then the other day will be sort of like a medium day. So I actually tend to do a high, a low, and then a medium day. And it works for me because I simply cannot, I cannot handle the volume. So I just went on a tangent, but I think it's important for people to understand that um, you need to look at where you're at. And, uh, you know, the old uh, no pain, no gain thing is, is just a bunch of BS. And uh, listen, if you like to train hard, you like to get after it. There's nothing wrong with that. But uh, don't be surprised that when you're 40, 50 years old and you're going up the stairs and things hurt all the time, don't be surprised at that. Well, and I think that, uh, you know, trying to provide some information that maybe, you know, puts people on a little bit better path and uh, gives a little bit better information. Um, I, I want to be, um, ever how many years I've got, I want those years to have some great quality to them. And I want to live independently and I want to be a useful individual and, until I can no longer be uh, around. And that doesn't happen because you're going in the gym every day and crushing it. I'm going to go crush my workout. Um, it's happening because you're consistent and you develop these qualities and capacities, you know, over time. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just that play the long game. Yes. Have your short-term goals and understand that when you take on a short-term goal, you will sacrifice certain things. If your goal is to run a marathon, you're probably going to run into some achies and owies and probably need some physical therapy and massage therapist and some treatment and, you know, try to get through that training to get to that goal. Um, and like you said, if, unless you're getting paid, is the, is the juice worth the squeeze? I can't believe I just used that cliche. It's not, it's not a bad one. I mean, there's it's, better, it's but you know, I'm going to, you know it's what, Brett, I'm going to let that go. I'm going to let that go. That's the, you Thank know you. what? I, Thank you. I, uh, I've, I've, I've had some better ones, but, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, people recognize it and it, and it, it is, I mean, it's, uh, I, I come back to enjoy the process. Yeah. I, I, I don't need a goal because I actually enjoy working out. I, I, uh, I like what I do. Uh, I fit it in today's a day where no training happened. I was, I was up and on the computer by 6am and I, I'll finish at five or six o'clock tonight. And I've had the time to run to the bathroom a couple of times. That's, that's, <laughs> that's been my day. Um, and, you know, there's other days where, I, you know, I, I can have a, an hour to, to get a session in and take my time and do my prep and, you know, really just enjoy that, that time for myself. You know, my wife says I need a hobby, but I got one. I, <laughs> I enjoy, enjoy training. Um, and, and I think that's a, that's a mindset shift. And, and, um, I, I've talked about this on a couple podcasts already, and I'm going to keep talking about it until somebody, uh, pulls me off of all of my channels and, uh, venues that I can and promote this message, but fitness is a vehicle for health. <clears throat> it's something that should enhance your life. It's something that should be a positive. If you're constantly trying to figure out how to recover from your training, constantly, you know, from one injury to the next, step back. Uh, just, just step back and, and pay attention to what's going on because it's not leading you where you think it's, it's leading you. Um, have it be a positive. 
And, you know, if you think you're intuitive, but you kind of never get to your goals, maybe you're not, and you need a structured program. If you think you're structured and you're never getting to your goals, maybe you need a little more intuitive in the mix. And so be willing to kind of have those conversations and have a coach, have somebody to bounce those ideas off of. Even if it's just like a monthly check-in where you're just like, hey, this is what I'm doing, what I'm going to do for the next month. What do you think? I think you could use some single leg work in there. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good catch. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, you know, balancing out and we, we can talk more de detailed programming conversations later, but um, there's, there's a few boxes to check. And then there's a lot of different ways to make that look and uh, find something you enjoy. Yeah. I don't know. That's now we're truly tangential. How are you today, Mike? I'm, I'm living the dream. <laughs> I, I, you know what I enjoy? I, I enjoy hearing you talk about training Brett. That's the, that's, <laughs> I don't know who said this. It was probably you. Cause I have a bunch of quotes that I, I just say you said it, even though if you stole it from someone else, but um, it, 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 you know, the quote was, it feels good to feel good. Like it, I mean, as someone who has, um, you know, been through a few musculoskeletal injuries, uh, self-induced, I might add, I've just been in, I've done some dumb things, but, um, when you've been in a scenario where you don't feel very good, whether it's from doing dumb things or whether it's medical or whatever, um, it, it's hard, it's really hard. And it can be, it can be a pretty, it can be pretty tough waters to navigate, but when you feel good, you kind of say to yourself, wow, man, like we've all done it. We've always, we've done something where we're like, man, I'm so glad that I did that. Or, um, I'm glad that I took a, took a day off. I mean, my fighters, I tell them all the time, I'm like, take a day off or take two days off. And they're like, I felt so much better. I'm like, see, like, Bingo. I'm, I'm not lying, but, but I think a lot of people think they're going to miss things. Right. But mm -hmm. we also have to really understand that it is about the magic happens when you rest and when you recover, it's not when you're breaking yourself down in a training session, because that's what you're doing. So learn, learn to enjoy the resting process and the recovery process. And that doesn't mean you have to wake up and, you know, have like a, you know, singing bowls and, and meditate with your legs crossed and listen to Enya and, and whatever it, that, that doesn't mean you have to do that. It could be just, Hey, uh, taking a day off or and going for a walk. That can be one of the most therapeutic things, especially getting outdoors, going outside when it's nice out, taking an hour walk in the woods. I mean, that can be one of the most vitalizing things you can do. And it's, it's just a walk. It doesn't seem like much, but maybe that's exactly what you needed, right? 100%. And I, I think that uh, one of the reasons people will fear the day off or they will fear the easy session is they, for some reason, think that uh, it's, it, they are going to be less than uh, because they did that. You know, it's not, it's showing that they're weak you know, that they're, they're not tough or, you know, what, whatever the case may be. Um, and is there a little bit of a line to walk? Sure. If you always give yourself an out, you're probably not holding your feet to the fire as much as you should. But if you've always got your feet in the fire, mm -hmm. you could probably be a little kinder to yourself. And so you, you do kind of have to walk that line. I mean, I, I, I do firmly believe that feeling good feels good. Uh, but there's sessions where, yeah, I bite off a little more than I could chew. I have a, I have a good kind of tough session. Um, and then there's sessions where you back off. You have a nice, uh, Jeff Martone years ago called it the killer principle. Keep it light and happy. Yeah. 
some days you just need to kill a session mm-hmm. and uh yeah uh work you know have the blend be be willing to um make those adjustments change adapt overcome um if you have a specific goal chart the path if you're kind of working on that process of enjoying the training process and the rest process give yourself some freedom and enjoy the process um better place to be absolutely absolutely well uh i think that's pretty awesome advice and i think uh i think we're going to call it from there brett well uh, uh thank you for sharing your knowledge today brett uh appreciate it. it's always good to chat uh for those of you listening um if you did enjoy this podcast, go ahead and give us a nice, positive, glowing review on whatever platform that you're listening to. And feel free to share this with maybe your friends and colleagues and other individuals that maybe need more structure or maybe a little bit less structure and just give them a little nudge. Say, hey, I got this really awesome podcast by these two incredibly charming, intellectual, good-looking individuals. Um, you're right. We're, we're not that charming. But at the same time, um, anyways share away. We appreciate you guys. And uh, we'll see you in the next episode. Thanks, Mike. Hey, friends. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, we're going to ask you for a favor. Please leave us some positive reviews. Be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, family, and colleagues. Thanks again for listening to the Minimum Effective Dose Podcast.